welcome back to Talking Rugby, episode four, week four. Um, today we're looking at Japan, the 1st of July, and our premiership forwards of the season. Matt, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Surviving the lockdown, as I'm sure we all are. But rugby looks like it might return at some point. And with this all being talked about in the news, we know that uh, Southern Hemisphere rugby is going to get started again, but we're not sure what's happening over here in the Northern Hemisphere. But if we focus on the Premiership and look at player contracts, now the 1st of July, what a date this has proved this season. So for anyone that doesn't know, any player that has signed a contract with a new club will start on the 1st of July pretty straightforward it happens every season but this season we don't know whether there will be games played in August to finish off this season or whatever so there's a huge debate around which team we're going to play for so let's start off with what's happening I know that Jordan Murphy Matt has spoken to Radio Leicester and said that they need a minimum of eight weeks training before a match I'd agree with that would you? Yeah, uh, it's been a long, long while now. Um, I can't work out how many weeks it is, but um, it's almost a proper summer now, isn't it? Um, Mm. As in a summer layoff. Um, Yeah, eight weeks is probably the standard pre-season training regime that uh, any player would go through before starting the Premiership at the start of the season. I think that's effectively what the players need in terms of getting back to the physical levels that you need to be at in Premiership Rugby. And obviously, the two weeks that they said they're not going to train for now, so that's at least 10 weeks. Um, so that, that puts you to the first weekend of August before anything happens. And you say that we haven't had rugby since the weekend of the 7th and 8th of March. That was the last Premiership game that went ahead. So that that is a long time. And like you say there, we're in sort of a summer period of rest whether it not be a rest because players are obviously still trying to keep fit but we've seen the Bundesliga return and it seems to be working and the Premier League are sort of rumoured to what's happening there but will rugby be one of the first return it's such a physical contact game you can't really see at the moment with so much social distancing Matt yeah I think we're rugby is kind of last in the queue in terms of sports returning because you know race Formula One racing you can go in the cockpit and you're kind of isolated there obviously the pit crew are a bit different but I'm sure they'll work around that um even football isn't hasn't got the physicality levels that rugby has but I think rugby's got to be really careful um uh, around returning because Obviously, members of the general public are going to see the sport on TV. They're going to see it on social media, on the news, etc. And if you've got um, 16 forwards going down into a scrum, while there's still social distancing rules in the public, how you know that's going to look really bad on rugby, I think. And rugby needs to be careful with its image, uh, not just in this period, but as in how will this have a knock-on effect in the future or creating a bad image for itself if you know what I mean No definitely rugby needs to be careful and I'm sure everything will be in place but at the moment I don't think rugby will be in our agenda for the next couple of weeks but let's say for example we sort of see a 2019-2020 end of the season sort of 
end of August and have a few games that sort of tie up the top end of the table. Now, here's what is interesting because players like Johnny May, Aaron Hinckley, Matt Kovacic, I can't name everyone, but, you know, those players that have signed a new contract, they are contracted to their new club. So do they play for their new club in the same season that they were playing for their old club? Or do they play for their old club but are signed by their new club? What do you think? It's going to be really strange, but I think you're going to get two sets of squads over one season. Um, I can't. I think it's so complicated to change a contract in terms of from that July the first date to any other date. I think that would that's just impossible to do. So complicated. The season's already strange as it is. Um, so it's kind of grasping what getting the best out of what you can out of a bad situation and. Uh, yeah, too too complicated. It'll be strange, but uh, I think that's the only way around it. See, the thing that, that puzzles me is if you look at any other working scenario, mm-hmm. if you signed a contract with a new employer on X number of the month, yeah. then they're paying your wages and they don't want to be paying your wages if you're still working for Joe Bloggs down the street. And surely, you know, that comes into rugby as well. Exeter, Gloucester, Leicester, they won't want to be still playing the wages of their players that aren't going to be playing for them and vice versa. So it, it suddenly doesn't, doesn't just become about where you want to play this season, next season. It's, you know, it's a financial and contract scenario as well. Yeah, and then with, with those finances, you've got the big question mark of the salary cap. Um, mm, of course. Which... Yeah, where do you draw the line on that? If you like, you say if they're playing and not pl- paying and not playing, or vice versa, or whatever, you know, the knock-on effects makes more things complicated, and it's the last thing you want to worry about now, really. And you look at sort of players living the outside of the UK. A lot of South African players have gone back home during this lockdown period, and rightly so. You know, they're going to now have a fourteen-day quarantine imposed sort of traveling back into the UK so that's an additional two weeks but not only that I think that for players themselves if they're moving their entire lives halfway across the country mm-hmm. you know you you want to get to know your playing squad and learn all the calls all the drills you know the line out calls everything but you can't do that one week if the week prior you're back with your old mates learning their way yeah you just does, it doesn't make sense. That, that then becomes another problem because if, say, a team's bringing in five first-team members from abroad and then they can't play, um, they're, they're going to be short, aren't they, in, in the squad? And Yeah, there's just a lot of question marks around at the minute. That, that's huge. And you mentioned the salary cap there. We've had a lot of talk this week. I know Bristol are still very much in favour of keeping marquee players, but some clubs aren't a fan. So for people who don't know, clubs are allowed two marquee players in their squad per season and those players don't count towards the £7 million salary cap. We spoke last week about the salary cap and the review that's happened. What, what's your view on marquee players? Keep them? Leave them? I've always been against marquee players. Um, the idea sounds silly to me that just two people can all of a sudden earn a lot more. Um, and then you've got other people in the same 
club saying, well, I do the same job as him. I do the same hours as him. I play the same position, potentially. And he's earning significantly less because they're in the salary cap. I think it's a ridiculous idea. I think it always has been. And even with the the report in the last week, there's a suggestion that they should remove them. Yeah, I would get rid of them straight away and save a little bit of money, potentially. I personally think if you get rid of the marquee players, you have to increase the salary cap. Yeah, then you know you could get players that are taking 20-30% cuts just because they're a marquee player. So, yeah, in that way, I suppose... I suppose you've got to think about that. I suppose sort of in a year's time, rugby will probably be very different and there'll be a whole whole new set of questions for us to debate. But it is it is something that is concerning with rugby at the moment. Hopefully know, not financial game. virus. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Let's get that to one side. <laughs> now, moving across the country, across the world, let's talk about Japan because there has been some news coming out of Premiership Rugby this week. Johan Ackerman, head coach to Gloucester Rugby, has left. He joined the club in 2017. He re-signed a new contract, so he has meant to have another two seasons left with Gloucester. But he's heading to Japan, accordingly of his own choice. Huge shock. Well, I say huge shock if you've watched Gloucester this season and sort of been in the environment. It maybe isn't a huge shock because they haven't done at all well. But what did you make of Johan suddenly upping roots and going to Japan? I was very, very surprised. I mean, he's only in year three. Um, a lot of things haven't gone right in the last 12 months, but I thought there was a real special vibe at King's Home at Gloucester when he was in, when he first arrived and last season. I thought that a lot of things were going well, but obviously something's not right. I feel like there's some issue deep down below i'm not sure what that is i mean i know you spent a lot of time at king's home this year have you noticed anything or feel like this change is needed it's difficult because like you say there three he's three years he was three years into his contract and the first year they finished seventh the second year they finished third 11 points clear at fourth but they lost really quite badly to saracen's in the semi-finals and this year they they finished ninth but Gloucester at times have shown pure genius in what they can do on a rugby pitch when it flows it flows beautifully and when that vision comes into play it works really well but there has been a lot of time that it hasn't worked and like you say I've followed them this season I've I've been there home the week every week home the way every week and Fans started to get really frustrated sort of February time because they're conceding so many penalties. And yes, it's not in one area, but it's in so many areas. And something just didn't seem to click, sort of especially after Christmas, I would say. And we can bring somebody in who is far more qualified than probably you and I to talk about this is Rob Isles, Head of Sport at Gloucestershire Live, and he follows Gloucester Rugby, that's his speciality. And I caught up with him earlier in the week to discuss what's happened at Gloucester, and this is what he has to say. So obviously Johan Ackerman's departure at Gloucester did come as a bit of a shock. Um, only signed a new contract a year ago, so he had two years left on his contract. Um, 
So, so to leave at this stage and to, to go to Japan, I think everyone just expects him to stay around a bit longer. Um, but uh, it's probably not the disaster it would have been seen to be um, last year. Not ideal, obviously, Gloucester having to search for a, a new head coach um, again, which is a bit destabilising. But obviously, Ackerman did a, a very good job in the first couple of years, got them in the playoffs last season. Um, but things have sort of uh, fallen away this season. It's been a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Um, it would have been closer to, well, would have been in a relegation battle if it wasn't for Saracen's situation. So, um, I said, I mean, it could be a blessing in disguise. Lost to an Algo for a new head coach. Um, all signs at the moment are pointing towards it being Rory Teague, um, obviously with a financial situation at the club. Um, probably means it's more likely for them to, to promote internally. Some of the big names mentioned um, probably seems a bit unrealistic, um, whether they work with the director of rugby as well, because um, obviously David Humphries is staying at the club and picking the new head coach. So, um, so Teague has um, head coach experience. Um, he's a Gloucester lad. Um, Danny Cipriani, is, I know, has, has spoken highly of him in the past as well, so that relationship could be key. Um, so, you know, any appointment is a is a risk. Um, Gloucester have gone down the overseas route and it hasn't really worked, so it could just be time for a, a new direction. Um, and it looks like uh, Teague will probably be that man. Well, there you go. So it looks like Rory Teague could be Gloucester's new head coach, or interim at least. He's currently skills coach at the club. But what do, you, what do we think about promoting in-house? Obviously, like Rob said there, there is a financial sort of advantage to that maybe that big-name coaches probably at the moment with the financial state that all clubs are in aren't going to be realistic. But what do you think? I think if Gloucester really want to rebuild from here, if they really want to um, create a new version of themselves, they need to do it pretty quickly because... If you get somebody like Rory Teague in now, which I think will work really well, it's an ideal time for something like that because they've effectively got two pre-seasons. Um, there's no, if the season continues, there's no relegation. So they've got kind of a free shot. There's not a lot of pressure. They can almost spend, a, uh, how, how many games have got left? Nine games left. They can almost spend those nine games uh, in a positive way. They can be a bit more expansive, be a bit more brave and kind of slot into new systems that Rory Teague will, will um, develop as a coach. He's obviously quite a new coach in terms of, it. like you say, it's not a big name. Um, he could really get get to grips. It's like a massive pre-season, if, if you like, with a potential reward of European spot or a, a top four spot. That's a really good point, actually, that if the season does restart again, Gloucester have nothing to lose. You know, relegation battle isn't there anymore and they've only got anything to gain. gain. So you could view it, like you say, as sort of a pre-season. Let's also touch upon, I know Rob says it is unlikely, it probably is, but Richard Cockrell has got uh, to the end of his Edinburgh contract, but he's looking like he'll stay. But Di Young's recently left Wasps. He'd be a pretty good candidate if they were looking for a bigger named uh, head coach, don't you think? Yeah, I think um, he kind of fits fits the um, the pattern that Gloucester have been in, and he knows 
kind of he's got obviously the Premiership experience of recent Premiership experience, so he knows where Gloucester are. I mean, do you think he'll he'll fit into the the DNA and maybe revitalise or tighten a few screws at Gloucester? Yeah, I think he could definitely do a lot of work with them. He did do fantastic things at Wasps over the time that he was there, but unfortunately, last couple of seasons that hasn't shown. But he is a very good coach. And he has really good direction. But I suppose any coach that takes over from Johan, the beauty with Gloucester at the moment is coming at the end of the season. At the moment, they only have two players leaving in Callum Brady and Aaron Hinckley. Obviously, Franco Murray left um, earlier in the season, but there is still a lot of their squad together, which can only be a positive. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive, actually. I mean, this modern-day professional game... You often get fifteen, twenty guys leaving squads, and that that's obviously really um, disruptive. So I think that that's good for Gloucester. Uh, but it's quite impressive. Talking about squads, teams. Let's move on. So Matt and I have decided that we are going to give you a Premiership team of the season. We'll do it slightly differently. So we'll do forwards one week, backs next week. We might do a replacements bench. We'll see. But our forwards team of the season. So these are players that we think have stood out in the Premiership, not necessarily internationally, because obviously we've had the World Cup going on. So we really wanted to sort of try and focus on the Prem and for how many weeks we had. So in those lovely weeks up until March, we have gone with Ethan Waller, Rob Weather, and Harry Williams in the front row. Matt, talk me through it. Yeah, in particular, Harry Williams. Um... He was in and around the England squad a couple of years ago, wasn't he? And um, I think Dan Cole was opted opted to go with Dan Cole because of experience. But I think now Harry Williams will kind of develop, move on with that. I think he's been really impressive in the scrum this season and uh, in and around the breakdown as well. And Rob Weber there, he's done fantastic things I mean he's retiring at the end of this season and I believe he's moving over to Jersey in a more coaching position over there but sort of the legacy that he's held he has been one of those players sort of consistently at his best maybe not recognized enough internationally but sort of has always been a key key part to a side yeah and particularly at the minute with sale they're really going well uh, I think he is um been a crucial part of that to develop obviously he's got plenty of experiences as you alluded to there I think that's that's been really important in the sales squad that has maybe lacked a bit of that maybe and Ethan Waller he's had a fantastic season and he seems to just have six seven eight nine ten fantastic seasons ahead of him he's turning into a very good um tie head prop Loose head prop. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's obviously it's his brother, isn't it, at um, Northampton? At Northampton, um, yeah. So he's obviously well. We know we've it's in the blood. It's proven. We've seen what can happen, and um, yeah, I think he's kind of emulating that now. And tell us, who do we have in the second row? Chris Vui uh, at number four, and then uh, the Sail Shark, uh, one of the Deprez brothers, Jean Luc Deprez, um, that that brother that. I think, is there three of them? Three there's, three, four, three. there's three, and they they could. To be fair, they could all be in the in the squad. They've all been fantastic. We Chris, we picked Chris 
tell us why it was sort of, I think we both agreed that he's been outstanding for Bristol this season. Yeah, I think this was one of the, the trickier positions uh, to pick. But um, yeah, for Bristol, Chris has been fantastic. He's always been, you know, you hear his name often uh, on in the commentary uh from Nick Mullins and Ali Eakin, and that is often a good sign of a player that's getting around the field, that's working hard, and um, he's really kind of believing in this Brist the journey Bristol are on, and uh, yeah, he's kind of a beating heart in that, I suppose. And Dupree's, we don't really need to explain much, do we? He's been fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic this season. Yeah, that as as we said, the trio has been something that's really lifted. Sale, I think, to the next level. I mean, Steve Diamond at the start of the season was saying how the pressure, the pressure comes on now. They can spend up to the cap, and uh, they're really delivering. And I think that trio is leading that way. I mean, do you think that's something that's helped them get to where they are? Probably. I mean, they've got really good unity up at Sale, and Sale seem to be on a one direction and one direction only, and no one's going to stop them. And they're all buying into it, and they're producing some fantastic. Fantastic work at sale. Let's look at the back row then. Jonah Ross, Jack Willis and Sam Simmons. We had to get Simmons in there somewhere. Absolutely. Um, it's been key for um, Exeter over a couple of seasons now. Um, I mean, we talk about his stats all the time. And yeah, he's a fantastic player. Uh, as well as his brother. Same, similar sort of, uh, <laughs> similar sort of um, answer here. But yeah. And a player that I'm so excited to talk about is Jack Willis. He's signed another contract with Wasps. He's had an absolutely sensational few seasons with them in at every breakdown, gets into the mould, you know, every ruck, turnovers. He's got everything. Yeah, it's something that uh, the team have needed because they've not been uh, doing as well as what they would have liked. I think he's been a key driver in this recent burst uh, they've had. Um like you say, he's always he's everywhere, and that that's always important for a team for the a team of the season. Um, that's a reoccurring theme that we've had across most of the names. And finally, let's talk about Jonah Ross. Yeah, I think he I think he's top of the stats in terms of is it tackles? I think um, he's been playing really well, and again that key part of the sale um, forwards, which have been uh, almost as good as. Uh, Exeter and the likes of Saracens. They've they've been fantastic, and I really think that Sale have a good few seasons up their sleeve to go. Yeah, probably a few of their backs will be in our team next week. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I can already think of a certain scrum half maybe. Though maybe. he's got some good competition with uh, Northampton, so we might have to argue that one. Well, we'll have a talk and see see what we think. But there you go, that's your Talking Rugby for this week. It's been fantastic and we'll see you again next week.